Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Will you look at somebody and tell them, I love you? Tell them, come on, tell them. Some people never hear that. I love you. Was that weird? Look at somebody you don't know and tell them I love you. That'll be weird. I love you. I I probably never slow down to tell you guys that I love you, but I love you guys. And uh, I'm proud of you. Proud of you for fighting the good fight. I'm proud of you. I don't know, for about three months I've been yelling at you guys. So I just wanted you to know that I love you. And... And I, I really am proud of you. There's so many great, ch- there's so many great churches. There really are in our area, and a lot of these churches in our area, I'm friends with the pastors, and there's so many great churches, and uh, we're we're just one of them. But I'm glad that you're a part of the Impact Church family, and uh, that that you choose to to be a part of this family. You are what make Impact Impact. So thank you guys for uh, for being a part of this great church family. While sitting in a prison cell, has anybody ever been to prison? Raise your hand. Be honest. You've been to prison. A couple over here. There's two over here. Anybody else over here been to prison? Well, actually, there's quite a few of you. This is the prison. How about this section? Anybody in this section? One. Anybody over here in this section? A couple. Well, uh, I'm I'm glad that you're not in prison anymore. And, uh, and. And I, I wanted to share this because I, I think this is so fascinating. Uh, whether you've been to prison or not. How many have ever been arrested? How about that question? Anybody ever been arrested? I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Um, that is a lot of people, <laughs> by the way. And, uh, but, I, but I wanted to, to re- read this because this is so powerful. Sitting in a prison cell, the Apostle Paul He he writes this in Philippians chapter one, verse 21. He said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want us to start by reading this out loud together. Would you read this with me? For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That, that is great perspective. I'm in prison. (laughs) You know what though? Whatever happens, happens because Whether I'm inside of a prison, whether I'm outside of a prison, for me, it's about Jesus Christ. And if I die, it's even better because I'm in the presence of Jesus Christ. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. What a great perspective. Then two chapters later in Philippians chapter 3, in verses 7 and 8, you said, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Today, I want to preach a sermon called addition by subtraction. And I'm going to pray. 
Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray that you would speak to us. God, that we would grow in Christ today as a result of your message. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say amen. 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 Let's give a round of applause for our worship team. Addition by subtraction, as men and women of God, which I assume most of us are trying to be, as men and women of God, our main goal, or at least one of our main goals, is to become more like Christ, right? I I am trying to become more like Jesus Christ. It's the same prayer that John prayed in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 30. He said it like this. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Let's read that out loud together. He must increase, but I must decrease. Look at somebody you came to church with today and tell them, I really need a whole lot less of you in my life. Come on, tell somebody, I need a lot less of you in my life. No offense, but... I really need more of Jesus in you. That should be our prayer. God, more of you, less of me. Subtract me out and add more of you in. I want to become more like Christ. He must increase and I must decrease. So being more, being more like Jesus Christ means that I'm more loving, that I'm more giving, that I'm, I'm more kind, that I'm more generous, that I'm more serving, that I'm, that I'm more selfless, more committed, more sacrificial. Being more like Jesus means that I'm more compassionate, right? That I'm more secure as a person, less insecure, that I have more integrity as a man of God. So God, that you would, you would increase in me and I would decrease. Now the Bible is clear all throughout scripture that less is more, less is more. Say that out loud. Less is more. And and it's, it's fascinating the human mind and the human life because we think it's the opposite. We think that more is more. But the Bible, it it, it talks about this concept all throughout. Less is more. It's about the simple life, right? It's about being content that you add to your life by subtracting from your life. That you make great gains through great losses. That you add clarity by removing the clutter. That you add health to your life by removing the toxins, right? And so the Bible, it it, it talks about this at length. And so I want you to think about the answer to this question in your own life for a minute. If you could answer this for your own life, what areas in your life are toxic to your mental, spiritual, emotional, relational, and physical health? What areas are toxic? Because Let's be honest, we all have areas of toxicity in our life. And so it is addition, we add to our life more of Christ by subtraction, by subtracting out less of me. Listen, you and I don't have to have everything. We don't have to do everything and we don't have to be everything. Less is more. So you add to your life 
by subtracting from your life. And most of the time, like I said, we think it's the opposite. We think, well, life would be better if I add to it, right? Life will be better if I have a bigger house. Life will be better if I have a nicer car. Life will be better if I have more money. Life will be better if I have more stuff. But in reality, the opposite is true. Because the only thing that you need in your life to make your life better is Jesus Christ. The only thing that brings us fulfillment, like true fulfillment, not artificial or surface fulfillment. The only thing is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's why Paul says to die is gain. To die is gain. (laughs) Well, because I'm going to be in the presence of God Almighty forever. And the truth is that you'll have more joy in your life by having less junk in your life. You'll have more joy in your mind by having less junk in your mind. You'll have more joy, more peace, less fear, less anxiety if you do some addition by subtraction in your life. If you'll start by allowing God to help you subtract the poison out of your life, you'll start adding purity and power to your life. Okay. Some of you would start growing like crazy if you would delete some stuff out of your life. You would start growing spiritually like you didn't even know you could grow if you would start subtracting some stuff out of your life. So spiritual maturity means more of God and less of me. That's spiritual maturity. That I become more like Christ and less like Travis. That I decrease, that he increases. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. He said, when I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. See, a lot of people, they grow older, but they never grow up. They grow older They come to church every week, but they never grow spiritually mature. And that's what God wants is for you to grow up. Look at somebody and tell them, it's about time you grow up. You need to grow up. You need to stop acting like a kid. You need to stop acting like a child. It's time to grow up. So what are the toxins in your life? What are the toxins in your life? What are the things in your life that are slowing your walk down with Jesus Christ. They're weighing you down, right? They're they're things that they slow your walk down with Jesus Christ. What are those things? And we all have those things. The, The Bible likens the spiritual walk with Jesus to a marathon. Do we have any runners in here? You like to run? Anybody at all? Yeah, a few of you. Why? Is there any reason that you actually like to run? Because I cannot find a reason. And people are like, you know, well, there's this thing called runner's high. And I'm thinking there's a lot easier ways to get high. But okay, if you want to do that, that's fine. But, but the, the, the spiritual life is, is a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So I'm in this marathon for Jesus Christ. Until I die, I'm running this spiritual marathon. And I want to read to you a scripture from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. 
that talks about this. He says, let us throw off. Somebody say throw off. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And it does easily entangle. Let us throw it off. Everything that hinders. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So he says, throw off everything that hinders and run with perseverance. So what is hindering your spiritual marathon today? What is hindering you in moving forward with Jesus Christ? What is it? Maybe who is it? That is slowing you down, that is weighing you down, that is dragging you down in your life with Jesus Christ. What are the toxins? So today, I want to talk about what I believe are the two most important areas of your life that you need to detoxify. The two most, there's a lot of areas. I believe these are the two most important areas of your life to detoxify your life if you want to experience real change. If you want to grow spiritually like you've never grown before. Number one, if you're ready, say I'm ready. Number one, I need to detoxify my thought life. My thought life, my mind. My mind, the, the, the human mind is so incredibly powerful. It's so complex. It, it's so powerful that the Bible says, Solomon said this in Proverbs 23, seven, he said, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he, right? You are what you think you are. That's why some people, they, they, you know, they have this incredible like swagger and confidence And they don't even need to. You're looking at them thinking like they should not think that way about themselves. But they think that way and that's all that matters. Right? That's why I always say, have you ever seen a really super good looking person, but they think they're fat and ugly? Some of you are sitting here looking at me today and that's you. Have you ever seen somebody that's, I mean, they're not as fun to look at. Maybe we say it like that, but they just think they're everything. That's all about how they see themselves. That's all about the power of the mind, right? The mind controls your negativity and positivity meter. It controls your fears and your anxieties. It controls your guilt and your shame. It controls your ability to rebound from a failure or not rebound from a failure. The human mind, it is powerful. So he says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Think about it like this, your mind, your brain is kind of like your emotional or your spiritual stomach, right? It's kind of like your emotional, spiritual stomach, your brain is. What what you feed it, it affects every area of your spiritual and emotional life, which then affects your physical and your relational life. So your brain, it's like your spiritual stomach. And some people, they feed their their spiritual stomachs, they just feed it junk food all day long, and they wonder why they are mentally sick. Okay, if you feed your mind junk food all day, 
you will be junk spiritually and emotionally. If you feed your mind junk. So with God's help, we can detoxify, detoxify our minds. There's this Bible word. It's called sanctify. Say that, say that out loud. Sanctify. Sanctify is this process of God making me clean again, right? He's making me new again. It's a process. How many thankful that you have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you to help you detoxify your mind? And so we have God's help in this. And so we got to identify these toxins because a lot of times you have toxins in your mind and you don't even know it or you don't even know how they got there. So this is what Solomon said again in Proverbs 4, 23. He said, be careful how you think. You guys have heard me preach this before. Be careful how you think for your life is shaped by your what? Your thoughts. In the uh, New International Translation of this, New International Version, he says it a little bit different, but it means the same thing. He says, above all else, guard your hearts. Guard your heart for everything you do. It flows from your heart, right? So where your mind goes... Your life goes, I got to guard my heart, guard my mind. By the way, your body, all of it is the temple of God, right? So let's read about that. In 2 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, Honor God with your what? Bodies. Honor God with your bodies. This ought to give every single one of us a different perspective about our lives, about our bodies. It should. How we treat them, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, this, this ought to change the way we think about ourselves. Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Your life is not your own because Jesus paid for it on the cross at Calvary. So my body is even in my own body. It's God's body. It's the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. It's where God resides. So he says, guard it, guard it. Guard it with all your heart. Guard your heart, right? Honor it, protect it, clean it, declutter it, detoxify it. It's your, it's your body. It's God's house. Think about your own house for a minute. I mean, most of us would never think about allowing certain things into our houses, but we allow them into God's house. Right? I mean, like most of us would never think about allowing porn stars into our house to be porn stars in front of us. I said most of us. Most of us wouldn't. But, but we do worse than that because we allow them, we allow it into God's house. Right? His, his temple, God's temple. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what kind of house do we have that God lives in? I know it's a strong word, but what kind of temple is God living in? What does it look like? Is it cluttered? Is it clean? Is it toxic? Is it polluted? And that's what God wants to help us with. 
the mind, the mind. He says, be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts, right? Which I've preached this many times before, which means you have to think about what shapes your thoughts. And we do have every thought you ever have has been shaped by somebody or something. You do realize that we we have two Mainly, two political parties, most people are inside one of the parties or the other other party because of how they were raised. Most people. Most people think a certain way about money because of how they were raised. Most people think a certain way about areas of conviction because of influences. Let, Let me give you an example. I have tattoos. There are some Christian Preachers, theologians, people that go to church say, well, I don't know if tattoos are okay. How many have ever wondered that question? Raise your hand. If you've ever wondered it, this is the tattoo service. You've never wondered that question. Well, the Bible says that you shouldn't ink yourself in Deuteronomy. That's what it says. You shouldn't put ink. You should not carve into your flesh. And it is not what a tattoo is, right? So, so you have to take the Bible in context, first of all. And if you go back to that scripture in Leviticus, I think I said Deuteronomy in Leviticus, it starts off with saying that you shouldn't eat any, any kind of thing that, that, that has blood in it. What would that mean? (laughs) Anything with blood, an animal, a cow, a chicken, a turkey, nothing pigs, right? Let's take this in context. When you get down to the ink and the carving out, it's talking about not, not carving your bodies or inking your bodies as a satanic practice to the dead. Let's, let's take the Bible in context. So if you want to go put ink on your body, does it honor God or not? I guess it kind of depends what it is. Right? I guess it kind of depends what it is. And so what I'm saying is that every thought that you have about anything came from somewhere. So you have to protect what are the somewheres? What are the influences? What are the thought shapers? Because those thought shapers, they're going to shape my life. Has anybody ever dealt with mold in your house? Raise your hand. You've dealt with some mold in your house. It's okay. You're not a less than person. If you've dealt with mold, uh, it, it, it would be one thing to accidentally become mentally polluted. And it's another thing if you're intentionally polluting your mind, right? It's one thing like, man, I accidentally got into that. I didn't mean to, man, I drifted into this or I accidentally polluted my mind. It was an accidental toxin that came in, right? That's one thing. It's another thing if you're intentionally polluting your mind, like, like mold. I have dealt with mold in the previous house that we had. We had some mold growing under the sink. I didn't know it until I knew it, right? And all of a sudden you got a mold problem. Said, you know what? We got to fix that mold problem so that people don't get what? Sick. We don't want to get sick. There's pollution in the house under the sink and we don't want to get sick. So you deal with it to keep everybody healthy. It'd be a totally different concept 
if I was in there with a bag of mold, just flinging mold under the sink, right? Intentionally flinging mold and hoping none of us get sick. That's where a lot of us are mentally. We're flinging mold into our minds and we're hoping and we're praying that we don't get sick. God, please don't let me get sick from this. God, please don't let me get mentally ill from this. But we're just flinging a bag of mold into our minds. Listen, I I, want to say this because this is important. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. Regardless, you got to identify the mold and allow God to help you detoxify your mind. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's not intentional. It's like, it's like when I have a weak moment in my own life and trust me, I have them. I have these weak moments and I, I, I crave this certain Mexican restaurant. That's, that's not too far away that I won't say the name of it, but man, I want this. It starts with F and it ends with Bertos. And I'm like, man, I am craving this Mexican food place so bad. And what happens is if you're not careful, you crave and then you cave. Has anybody ever done that? And I'm like, but it's just this one time. And then you tell yourself how good you've been. I've been so good for three days. I have eaten perfect. This is a long three days. And then you tell yourself, I deserve this. I deserve this. Just once. This is what I do. I I crave and I cave. And then I drive through and I order the number eight. It's terrible. I know what number it is. It's the rolled tacos. and It's got the beans and the rice. And I don't know what it is. It is not guacamole. It is the runniest stuff I've ever seen in my life. Tastes really good. And then I eat it. And an And an hour later, every time, I feel like garbage. Every time. Wouldn't it seem like, remember how bad you felt? No, no. I remember how good it tasted. And that's the problem with human nature, right? I know I'm human. I'm flawed. There's times when I, when I crave and then I cave and the same is true with you. But God says your body is the temple of the Holy spirit and less is more. You don't have to listen to everybody that you currently listen to. You don't have to watch everything that you currently watch. You don't have to watch the national news. You don't. You don't have to, I don't care what station it is. They are not good for your mind. You don't have to watch everything that you watch. Read everything that you read. Uh, Disclaimer, and I I want to apologize, and I want to tell you guys again that I love you. Does everybody know that? I have been in a space in my own life where I'm trying to unclutter my mind, trying to detoxify my own mind and on social media the way I started the church is if somebody followed me I'd follow them back and somebody followed me I'd follow them back I generally don't follow people first but if they followed me I followed them back because I figured that meant they went to my church fast forward 12 years into it I was following about 4,000 people on Instagram I don't know any of these people some of them might be you And so I decided, you know what? I don't want to offend everybody, but I'm going to unfollow basically everybody, 
right? And so if I unfollowed you or if I haven't, I probably will unfollow you. I still want you to know that I love you. This is for my own mental health. This is for my own sanity. This is for my own clarity and clutter. It's not that I don't love you. It's not that I don't want to see what you ate for breakfast. It's not that I don't want to see your two-year-old running around in a diaper in the backyard. It's none of that. It's like my own sanity. And I don't think it'd be a bad idea for you to do the same thing. You don't have to just follow everybody that you're on. Now you got to be careful with Instagram because I found out there's an Instagram prison. You cannot unfollow more than a certain amount of people at a time or you go into Instagram jail and they lock you out for a while. So I had about three or four weeks where I, I couldn't like anything. I couldn't, I couldn't comment on anything. I couldn't, my, I was being shadow banned <laughs> for unfollowing too many people at one time. God forbid. <laughs> anyway, you might need to delete some, not just followers, you might need to delete some social media apps. Might. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's good for us. You know, and you can get on the wrong side of an algorithm in a hurry. All of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, why am I seeing this? This looks demonic, right? So you get on the wrong side of an algorithm and hurry, you might need to delete. You might need to stay away from certain environments. Okay, here's the second thing. Number two, two-point sermon today. Aren't you happy? It's still the same length. This is a big one. Detoxify your friend circle. Thanks. I need a little encouragement. Push me over the edge here to actually share what I have written. Detoxify your friend circle. Uh, Proverbs 27, 19, it says this. He says, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the friends he chooses. What he's really like, what she is really like. I can learn more than I need to know about you by the people you hang out with. This, is, this was one of the other reasons I started also unfollowing people. Another little disclaimer is the bigger my account has become, the more frightening it is for me. And so, have you ever followed somebody, you admire their life, whatever, and then you go see who they follow? That's a dangerous area for me. Because if they see I'm following something weird, then they're like, oh, that preacher's following whatever. So, my whole intent is to be a great pastor. My whole intent is to be a great man of God. My whole intent is to try to stay above the line of reproach, not on the line of reproach, but above it. And that's not always easy to do, but that's my intent. What, a, what about you? You don't have to be a preacher to stay above reproach. You don't have to be a preacher to stay out of the gray area. You, you got to be a man or a woman of God. 
you got to be convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit and you live to please Jesus Christ. And that is it. I'm playing this game for an audience of one. And if I play it right, everybody else benefits from my life. And so he says, what he's really like (laughs) is shown by the friends he chooses. Some of you, listen, some of you have toxic lives, not because you're toxic, but because your friends are toxic. Some of you are dating a toxic person and you're wondering (laughs) why your relationship is so unhealthy. Hello? Love is blind, is it not? Again, life is a marathon. It's a marathon. I want to read to you Galatians 5. In in verses 7 through 9, it says this. You were running a good race. You were. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. You were running a great race for Jesus Christ. You were doing so good. Who or what cut in on you? Who or what cut you off? A little bit of yeast, just a little bit. It doesn't take much. A little yeast, it works through the whole batch, right? One wrong person can ruin your entire life. One wrong person can suck the joy out of your life forever. One wrong person can steal the peace from your life. So what kind of friends are you running with? If you've been here for, I don't know, a year, probably, you've heard me preach this or teach this, that we all have two types of friends. Everybody has two types of friends. We have casual friends and we have close friends, right? We have casual friends. We have close friends. Casual friends are always a result of circumstance. They they happen to be in my classroom. They happen to be on my team. They happen to be a coworker of mine. They happen to be a family member. They're a casual friend. And some family members, you know, they're going to remain casual. How many got a family member in your family that is just weird? And you're like, I'm thinking of somebody right now. Raise your hand. Come on, be on. If your hand is not up, you are the weird one in your family. Like they're crazy. They're psycho. Stay away. I do not own them. I do not ever tell anybody they're part of my family. That's how bad it is. See, casual friends, they're a result of circumstance, but close friends, this is what I want to look at for a minute. Close friends are a result of choice. He says, by the friends he chooses, close friends are a result, they, they, they should be a choice. I choose prayerfully and I choose carefully. My close friends Do you think it's interesting that Jesus had an inner circle? Jesus had an inner circle. The three in his inner circle closest to him, Peter, James, and John. 
They got to see things the other disciples didn't. They got to be with Jesus at other times when the disciples did. Peter, James, and John. Jesus had an inner circle of three, but he had 12 disciples. And then he sent out the 72. And then he fed the 5,000. And he loved everybody. But his inner circle was three. Three people. I got to tell you, for me personally... I don't have many close friends, very few. And I like it like that. I prefer it like that. I prefer to have a few friends that I can trust everything about my life with. Because close friends are a choice. So think about for a minute, your closest friends. Not your casual friends, your closest friends. And ask yourself this question. Do they push you toward Jesus Christ? Or do they drag you down? Are they the weight on your back while you're trying to run this marathon? Are they the ones cutting in on you while you're trying to run this race? Listen, what I'm saying is that less is more. You can do more with less. The right less. With three people, Jesus changed the world forever. The right three. With the right three, Jesus would impact generations thousand years down the road. My inner circle is frankly smaller than Jesus's. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who seek popularity and they want to have a lot of friends for me when it comes to having friends I I don't want to be popular I want to be particular selective protective about who I allow into my inner circle and maybe it's because I'm jaded and I have trust issues which is part of it but see your inner circle is your choice and your inner circle is what defines your life It defines your future. Maybe you already know this. I became a Christian at 17 years old after getting a DUI and taken to jail. I got cuffed and stuffed in the back of a car. That was fun. And that same night, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. That same night. I went from jail to Jesus in a matter of hours. Hey, sometimes God got to give you a wake-up call. Sometimes God's got to give you a wake-up call. But I partied all through high school, and by party I mean drank all the time, to get drunk all the time, smoked weed and whatever else I could find. Sounded like a good idea. And I really wasn't, didn't perceive myself as a bad person. I just liked to have fun. And at that time, that seemed fun, until fun was no longer fun. I was a fairly arrogant person, but the arrogance wasn't real. It was insecurity. So there was this facade of like, I've got it all together, but I was the only one that knew inside. I was completely broken and falling apart on the outside. Look like, man, this dude's successful on the inside, man. I, I felt everything, but successful. And I was arrogant. I was insecure. I used terrible language. 
I didn't treat people well. But frankly, the same was true with all my closest friends. And one thing I know for sure about life is that you become one with who you run with. You become just like them. And one of the hardest, listen, yet greatest moves I ever made as a brand new Christian was to detoxify my friend's circle. Here was the decision I made. If you were not all in for Jesus Christ, you weren't in my inner circle. Listen, this is important. Before I found Christ, my inner circle or my circle, it consisted of athletes, being cool, being popular, or at least we thought. After I found Christ, man, I don't care if you're the dorkiest outcast in the whole school. I don't care if you ever played a sport or even know how football or basketball works. Are you running after Jesus Christ? Are you running at the same race at the same pace as I am? Because if you are, you're in my inner circle. I want to be around you. I want to be by you. Here's the key. Same race, same pace. Say it out loud. Same race, same pace. Say it one more time. Same race, same pace. Look at somebody and tell them. Same race, same pace. Because here's what the Bible said. And this is important. I get this question. We, as a staff, get this question a lot. Well, I'm dating somebody. They're Christian, but they're not really... Like, you know, running like I am. Same race, same pace. Same race, same pace. Because the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness, what do they have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. So yoke was this this board, you know, that would unite two oxen together. So they'd be more powerful, more productive, heading and plowing in the same direction. They'd be on the same race, the same pace. If two oxen were plowed together, one couldn't get ahead of the other. They were together. Same race, same pace. When I was a single Christian man. And here, I'm about to give you an answer to some of your questions right here. When I was a single Christian man, by the way, I've been married longer than I've been single now. It's kind of crazy to think about. But when I was a single Christian man, same race, same pace was critical to me. Because listen, you can meet a person who loves God, but isn't on the same race as you. Or they're not at the same pace as you. Let me tell you something. Living for Christ and dying for Christ are two completely different ideas. So for me, I wanted somebody who would die for Jesus Christ. I I wasn't looking for somebody to go to church with me. I was looking for somebody to take the church to the world with me. Same race, same pace. See, there were a lot... And there are a lot for you. There were a lot of girls, a lot of girls who loved God, 
A lot of girls who went to church. A lot of girls who believed in the Bible. But the woman I was looking for, she was going to be called to ministry with me. Same race, same pace. The woman I wanted doesn't just love the word. She lives the word. The woman I wanted knows how to worship God and bring the heavens down. The woman I wanted knows how to storm the gates of hell and bind the devil. The woman I wanted knows how to love unconditionally. The woman I wanted knows how to give sacrificially. That's a different race. And that's a different pace. And that's who I got in my life. I got this woman named Natalie. And we've been married 24 years. And I know y'all love me because you tell me all the time, but I'm telling you, I would not be me without her. You know, I want to just say this for a minute. If you're called to ministry, if you're called to ministry, if anybody in here is called to ministry, you feel like you're called to ministry, guy or girl, don't go after some hot Christian, good looking person who loves God, but they're not called to ministry. Doesn't work. Equally yoked. By the way, I got a word for you. I got this word for you. This came to me yesterday. Somebody needs this. Desperation is a great deceiver. Don't become so desperate that you become deceived. Equally yoked. Because some of y'all are like, well, I mean, he's not a Christian, but he's a good guy. Desperation is deceiving. Same race, same pace. And some of you today need to make some hard decisions. If you want to grow, I'm just talking about if you want to become spiritually mature, if you want to grow spiritually like you've never grown before, it's time to let some friendships go. It's not that you don't love them. It's not that you're not friends. It's that you're not close friends. Is that, well, are we supposed to love everybody? Yep, we're supposed to love everybody. Jesus loved everybody, but he had an inner circle and not everybody was in that circle. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. He says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Misled. Misled. It's easy to be misled. It's easy. I think, I think the most misleading friends are the ones who say they love God, but they don't live for God. That's misleading. They can pray. They can quote some scripture. But they have no character. They are the Judas Iscariots of your circle. They look the part, they talk the part, they act the part, but they will tear you apart. You think your homies with them, they're sellouts and they'll sell you out for the first thing that comes along and feeds their appetite. Misleading. They're not in them for you. They're in it for themselves. They're not in it for God. They're in it for themselves. Different race, different pace. And you know, the Bible says at the end of days, which I believe we are in, this is only going to get worse and worse. Let me close with this scripture. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, 
to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. This is the end of the days. Brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rass, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Here it is right here. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. I always say it like this. If you all want to fly, if you want to fly with the eagles, you got to stop hanging around the turkeys. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that, Lord, you're speaking to us and that you always speak to us. God, we never take for granted that we have the power of your holy written word, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit that teaches us, that leads us and guides us. But God also corrects us and convicts us. God, today, we ask you, to shine the spotlight on our minds, shine the spotlight in our relationships, that we begin making and taking hard steps towards spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, listen, that is your number one friend. That is the number one for your friend's circle is a relationship with Jesus Christ, where the Bible says that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And God wants you to know that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you so that you could live for him. He paid the price for your sins. And all you have to do today is acknowledge him as your Lord, as your savior, as your master. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Christ, I want you just to pray from your own heart, your own mind, your own mouth. Right now and say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Teach me to live for you. God, I want to live for you even if it means I die for you. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. God, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. We all say, come on, we all say, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit www.impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.